0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Jim Kelly's 19th hole. Glad you're with us. As we say hi again from our 19th hole, it is truly a pleasure to welcome back a man that, well, we've been friends since both of us. That's right. Both of us. Hard to believe. Had dark hair. He went to Elmhurst (laughs) High School in Fort Wayne, Indiana, home of the Fort Wayne Comets. He graduated from the University of Georgia with a degree in business administration, which has done him absolutely no good whatsoever, friends, throughout his golfing career. Billy Kratzer. Welcome, Kratz. How you doing, Jim? (laughs) I'm on the right side of the grass. You thought I forgot about that BA degree you got while you were a bulldog in a two-time All-America, right?
1: Yeah, because I had forgotten about it, but... um... I knew old Steel Trap, Kelly, he wouldn't forget about it. So,
0: Let's talk a little bit about your dad, who was the head pro there at the country club in Fort Wayne. What do, you, what do you remember most about him as far as how he influenced your life?
1: Well, being the head professional and director of golf, um, whatever the title might be in today's um, uh, golf world, you know Jimmy kind of let me do my own thing. Uh, You know, I I played hockey. I played baseball Um, I thought it was great growing up that uh, I just didn't focus in on on one thing. He kind of let me come to the game uh, at my own pace and Then once he kind of saw that I was very very interested uh, Then he said well, you know, why don't you caddy at the club, and so I caddied, and I went through the whole deal and playing and all of that, um, but, but what he instilled and in, in what meant the most to me was how he treated the membership, and how he treated the game, and how special it was, and, um, you know, it was a service industry, um, and Fort Wayne Country Club's very influential, but, um, you know, just just the fact that he was he was there and he thought that the members would enjoy being there the most. And I think that's that's why the game of golf became so, you know, much a part of my life was the fact that I saw how much my dad enjoyed it, how much fun my dad had and, and the interaction with all the other members. So um that's what I remember most about it. Now he did, he did kind of rule it with an iron fist uh, for 43 years, but uh, he had a great relationship with the board of directors and um, it was just, it was just a wonderful time for me growing up and and watching him at the club. and, And it certainly has given me a lot of insight and, and kind of a pathway as to, how I run my life
0: you know it it sounds Billy like your dad had a little bit of Deacon Palmer in him in in terms of how deacon palmer uh, and and arnold 's wife raised you know Arnold I think uh, your dad had that same quality in terms of what he taught you as a young man what do you What do you think the best advice, not necessarily related to being a golfer or the golf course but in terms of getting through school, being a good husband, a good father, the way that you've modeled yourself after your dad, what do you think the best advice your dad ever passed along to you was?
1: He was, you know, there was, there was tough love, um, you know, when I did something wrong, which was on several occasions, but um, the thing that he drilled home to me was responsibility and respect. and you had to have respect for other people. He didn't care if if it was someone who worked an hourly wage job or someone that was very successful. You had to have respect for what they were doing and for that person. And it was a responsibility to make sure that you treated that person exactly the same as you would at whatever level. I think the ownership of that was probably the most important thing because um he was very much into um volunteering at um other organizations in Fort Wayne um the food harvest drive and and all, and all that so it just it just showed me what a humanitarian he was and that was very important to him and so i would say that responsibility and respect for people is are the two things that I will always take with me anywhere I go.
0: Well said, my friend. Billy Kratzert's our guest on 19th hole, man that won the Indiana State Amateur Championship at the tender age of 16. I mentioned two-time All-America at the University of Georgia. He was uh, one of those fighting bulldogs, four-time winner on the PGA Tour, and a man that got to play I think, if memory serves, got to play at Augusta National eight times. You competed in eight Masters. The best, I think, was 78 when you tied for fifth, right?
1: Yes. Uh, In fact, that was the year that Gary Player won. Uh, The first time that I played there, Jim, was uh, 1974 when I was still senior at the University of Georgia, and I got in uh, through the U.S. Amateur. So... Love the Masters. Uh, my first remembrance uh, of that is playing that opening round with George Archer, and he made four twos on the par threes. Uh-huh. He pretty every par three, and uh, we had a great time, and, and he, was, he was very kind. Through the years, he became a good friend, and uh, you know, even though we've lost him, we, we still think about George a lot.
0: Well, I can remember several of the Champions Tour events. I mean, Key Biscayne comes to mind that he'd be out with a fishing rod and reel out there in the ponds either before or after he would compete in the the Champions Tour events. We're talking about George Archer, the 1969 Masters Champion who we lost a few years ago, who is really one of the stalwarts on the then-senior tour back in the late 80s and in the uh, early 90s when the the total purse on the Champions Tour was what, one hundred and fifty thousand back then. I mean, thirty thousand for first, twenty thousand for second, and ten thousand for third. I mean, my how times have changed.
1: Well, they certainly have. And then when you when you look at um, the PGA Tour champions today, and and you look at what Langer's done, Vijay Singh, he continues to play uh, PGA Tour champions along with the PGA Tour. Uh, Stricker does the same Jerry Kelly uh, Scott McCarran, he's seemingly dominating and the money that they're playing for now um, it, it doesn't rival the PGA tour uh, there aren't any tours that will rival the PGA tour when it comes to money but um, the guys are out there showcasing their skills they're still having fun and you know I just wish I was a few years younger, Jim
0: <laughs> hey don't we all
1: <laughs> let's uh,
0: let's stroll down uh, Magnolia Lane for a second before we talk about Tiger and his comeback this year because that's obviously fresh in everybody's mind. But Billy Kratzert, our guest, played in eight Masters and, as I mentioned, looked up on the leaderboard there in 1978. Saw himself tied for fifth. But those first couple of years that you played, I mean, I used to do a uh, – CBS radio show called the uh, the Masters, golf's finest tradition, and we talked about the aura of Augusta. But for you, Pilly, what what is the aura of Augusta? Give us a couple of paragraphs on the magic of that special place.
1: Well, I think uh, when you drive up Magnolia Lane, and obviously you go and, and register and get everything done prior to getting out onto the golf course, uh, you get your locker and everything. But once you get out there, the serenity that kind of overcomes you once you get onto the golf course. Yes, you have a job at hand, and yes, you have to learn the golf course, and you you know, as they say, you have to know where to miss it and, and where you need to be, and you have to learn the greens, and because of all the interior contouring, you have to be, Uh, very aware but I always thought that once you got inside the ropes at Augusta National and you teed off even though it's the first major it's it's one of the four most meaningful tournaments in the world there was that there was that peaceful kind of inner feeling that, that overcame me that once I got there and whether it's you know the the years that I spent at the University of Georgia, and after graduation, and the tour, and then getting back uh, to the masters. It's just it, it's that magical feeling that even today, doing the uh, broadcast um, with the featured group on Direct TV. You st- once I set foot on the property and walk up the hill from the TV compound. You know, there's still that feeling, and you still remember. You still remember all of the shots that you hit in your competitive days playing at Augusta National Golf Club.
0: You know, I was blessed to uh, do the radio on CBS Radio Network Sports between 1970 and 1985. The last one, of course, Bernhard. Billy Casper won it in '70. And I actually had a chance to meet Mr. Cliff Roberts. I never got to meet Bobby Jones, but I did meet Cliff Roberts. You talk about your dad from Quantico and tough love, but certainly Clifford Roberts and uh, ran that tournament as has everyone else with an iron fist and made it into the great tournament that it uh, has evolved to through the decades. Um, I wanna go back to 78, Billy. You tied for fifth at the Masters. You tied for sixth at the U.S. Open. For a young guy that was growing up in Fort Wayne and playing golf and playing hockey, which tournament would have meant the most to Billy Kratzer to win, the Green Jacket at Augusta or the U.S. Open? I'm going to say the
1: Masters uh, simply because um, there's a dinner that they hold every Tuesday night the week of the master's tournament and very few get that invitation and once you're a master's champion you're always a master's champion and you're always going to get that invite to go to that dinner and again i go back you know for the historical value of it uh growing up in bobby jones um and what it meant and, and just being at the university of georgia I would, I would say that the master's is, is probably the most important. And I received my first invitation to Augusta when I was an amateur. I received from Clifford Roberts. The next one I got was from Howard Harden. And then the other one was from Jack Stevens. So I was able to get invitations from three different
0: chairmen. Pretty special. Very special. Talking it about is. special this year this year and the comeback of Tiger Woods, you were there. Uh, you saw it unfold. You saw the buildup the week before, and you saw the leaderboard with Rory and Ricky and Brooks Kepka. and there might have been a different outcome had Kepka made that birdie putt at 18 to force the playoff, but we'll never know. But to be there and see the comeback of Tiger Woods as a broadcaster, as a golfer, what did that mean to you?
1: It meant to me that that all the all the doubters uh, had no idea how strong Tiger Woods was mentally. We always thought that he and Jack were the two strongest mentally. Um, and that's been proven by the 18 majors that Jack has won, and 14 that Tiger had won up to this point. But what I saw was a little bit of a transformation because Jack, Jack could win, you know, mentally and physically. Tiger used to win with his physical skills because no one could actually do what he was doing on the golf course. Now everyone can can do that. Um, you look at a Dustin Johnson, you look at a Brooks Koepka, you look at a Rory McIlroy, you look at Jason Day, and all these guys that can send it down the fairway, 300 yards in the air, and hit these high irons and make a lot of putts. But Tiger. He now has to do it with efficiency. He has to understand that he's not going to be able to go out there and stay up with these these guys off the tee. And it was very much like Jack won in nineteen eighty six, Jim, when Jack was right there, and and all of a sudden by stairs he hits it in the water, and there were mistakes made. It was kind of the same way this year with with Tiger. Tiger he hit. Every sensible, correct, smart shot. And all of a sudden, Molinari, water at 12. Final, water at 12. Kepka, water at 12. Shafley, getting birdie 15. Uh, Kepka with the missed putts at, at 17 and 18. It's just like he just kind of let everyone else make the mistakes. He stayed the course, and it was very close to the way that Jack won in 86. So. You know, Tiger Woods, he can win it uh he can win doing it a couple different ways. And and that's what's most impressive to me in this comeback.
0: Tiger with his fifth green jacket at Augusta, Jack with six, of course, winning in eighty-six. Tiger's now second in the majors behind Jack. The magic number is still eighteen. Second behind Sam Sneed in all-time PGA tour wins by just one right now. And, Billy, as you look at the next couple of majors coming up, Beth Page and Pebble Beach, which course do you think suits Tiger Woods the best? And do you see him winning a second major this year? Or will some of the air come out of the balloon?
1: I don't think there's going to be any letting off of the gas. Uh, I really think that he's he's going to, now that he understands his, his body, uh, what he can do, Uh, How far he can push it the limitations and all of that. So I think he's going to monitor When he plays where he plays uh, The kind of golf course in preparation for these majors because one he's going to break Sam's record Uh, I think that's pretty much a given uh, That he's going to win multiple times more and that will take him past Sam's name now the goal at hand is to catch or pass jack so you look at the schedule and you know if his back holds up you know he's going to have 15 or 16 more opportunities and I would say that with Pebble Beach at the U.S. Open I think that's going to be a great opportunity simply because um, he he won the U.S. Open there uh, in 2000 and I just think that he He just understands how to play that golf course, and beth page black it's a it's a big golf course for the p g a championship um but he's such a smart player that and he's driving it better, but I'm going to give the nod to Pebble beach so far as where I think he can win uh, but beth page black i I certainly think he's he's going to contend. I just happen to think that he has a better chance of winning at Pebble beach.
0: The driver could be a problem at Bethpage. Uh, he can get around Pebble without the driver too many times, but obviously at the U.S. Open, if he, gets, if he misses the fairway, even with that three-wood stinger, the uh, rough at the U.S. Open is penal.
1: It is, and I, I don't know how lush it's going to be when we get to Bethpage Black uh, because it's the first time we've actually played the PGA Championship in May. So, and we're up in the Northeast, so I don't know how lush that's going to be, but um, you're right. Uh, the U.S. Open, it can be very penal, and what they need to do and what they need to understand is that the U.S. Open had that identity of, if you hit it in the rough, you tossed it back in the fairway, and then you operated from there. And it hadn't been that way the past few years, but with the way that I was out there for the AT&T, Couple Beach Pro Am, and from the lines that I saw with with the fairway cut, what they were going to do with the fairways, the narrowness, the pinching in, and everything, it is going to put a premium on driving. So yes, Tiger's going to have to drive it well, but you know what? He kind of figures it out in the big events, and when you and you look back at the Open Championship last year, when he had the lead on the 11th tee. Uh, He was trying to run Kepka down in St. Louis at the PGA. I just think he has a greater understanding of what he wants to do in the golf swing gym that allows him to put the ball in the fairway more. Uh, I was very interested in the tour championship last year and how he was going to react, how how he was going to play that last round, what that first tee shot was going to be like. And when he striped it down that first fairway at the Tour Championship, it's like, oh, my gosh, he's going to win and he's back and he's going to carry that forward. So, one, he understands his golf game. Two, I think he'll adjust to the courses because he's still probably the smartest player in the game. And I know for a fact he's the best iron player in the game.
0: Simply one of the best, William August Kratzert, the first. Thank you, Billy.
1: (laughs) All right. Thanks, Jim.
0: (laughs) Our friend from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Hey, back in 78, had you won the green jacket, what size green jacket would that have been?
1: It would have been a 42
0: long. And 41 years later, were they to give you a green jacket this year? I'm betting it's a 43 long because you're, you're still in great shape.
1: You are right on the money, my man. It's I the sport coats, the suits that I purchased today, they're forty three longs.
0: That's pretty good. Does Janie feed you?
1: <laughs> I try to stay in shape, but I do a lot of work. I, you know, I've got a great job. I get to go out there and watch these these guys play and um, still be connected to the game. I, you know, I was able to play with Jack and Lee and Arnold and Raymond and all the guys and then play with Crenshaw and Lanny and Litsky and Rogers and all the guys Maltby and now from 97 on Tiger comes on the scene and Knuckles and now I get to talk about it so I have had just a wonderful run in this great game.
0: Billy Kratzert, part of our ESPN Golf Channel family and a friend of mine for, like I said at the very top, back when we both had dark hair.
1: <laughs> well, it's been a great ride, and you've been a wonderful friend, and it's, it's, it's too long between visits. We need, we need to visit more, Jim.
0: You know, we have golf courses out here in Utah, and the boat still runs, so you're invited. And bring Janie. We have fresh towels.
1: I'll definitely do it.
0: Safe travels, my friend. We'll have you back around Beth Page.
1: All righty. Thanks, Jim.
0: Thanks, Billy. Safe travels. You've been listening to Jim Kelly's 19th Hole. We hope we've entertained. We hope you've learned something. And most importantly, we hope you'll come back. So if you liked what you heard, please come join the Jim Kelly 19th Hole community. That's right. Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, or your favorite podcast player. Again, subscribe. It's free.